0: Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, the conclusion of our discussion on airline travel basics number one. Here we go. Okay, so... A couple more points worth considering here is sometimes (laughs) the location you're in is served best by one airliner feeder, but the headquarters of your firm or division is at the hub of another airline. Yeah. And sometimes that makes it a little bit more difficult for folks.
1: Yeah, you need to talk to a freaking flyer at your location. Now, the problem is, if they've been with your firm for a long time and you haven't, they're probably going to recommend the airline with the hub where headquarters is, right? If they're a VP and they go back and forth to the headquarters, then they're going to recommend the one with the freaking flyer program uh, that, that that serves the headquarters better than your local consideration. Now, miles tend to expire more quickly now than they used to. So if we had a recommendation to make, we would say choose the best local service provider as long as you know that not every flight you're going to make is going to be into headquarters. And then at some point, you may have to switch allegiance when you finally reach the level where you're starting to fly in and out of headquarters a lot. Frankly, if you fly a lot for 10 years, you can achieve a lifetime status on some airlines that never goes away.
0: Yeah, the the lifetime status never goes away, but... I don't know, the longevity of airlines these days.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. Look, you can make a case that this is a silly cast because who knows what the status of airlines is. But look, I don't believe our economy can function in some ways, even with things like telepresence, without airline flights. And so there there is an inherent need for it. And I think when a couple more carriers fail, the carriers that are left will charge more money and they'll figure out a way to be profitable. Good.
0: Now, all this um, guidance about picking a primary airline and flying on it almost at all cost goes completely away when we start talking about direct flights, right? Because as everybody knows, a direct flight trumps all.
1: Yeah. You know, this is – I love it when you do this because it's just so you, – you're stating what is – there are people who go, oh, good, I'm glad he said that because, of course, I can't believe Mark is, is flying – They're going to get disappointed here. You know, (laughs) we, we do conferences in Atlanta. We have clients in Atlanta. We have our friends. My one of my brothers lives in Atlanta. And you think, well, San Antonio to Delta, San Antonio to Atlanta, there are great direct flights, fast flights, nonstop to Atlanta on Delta. But folks, listen, listen to us now. As far as choosing an airline, direct flights, nonstop flights are completely and utterly overrated. What? Totally. Completely. What? Yes. And I know you in fact you and I disagree a little bit on this because when you want to fly all the way out to the to the west coast, you're like, No, I don't want to stop in Dallas. I don't want to stop in Chicago. Look, if if all things being equal and the point of this cast is all things are not equal All things being equal, sure. If it's the same price on American or United, why not take the direct, the nonstop flight? Sure, totally makes sense. The problem is if you're building up points on American and you're choosing the United direct flight because it's nonstop, and then you miss building three thousand miles, actually probably you know close to six thousand miles on American, which with three or four more of those and a couple other flights thrown in, you're suddenly at gold status on American, which gets you chances to upgrade to first class. If you're choosing using the, the the non-stop flight or the direct flight rather than the american flight the flight on your primary character you're nuts okay you're right i agree you don't have to get off you don't have to get back on and there's certainly if there are two flights that you're on versus the direct the, the non-stop flight which is only one flight you reduce your risk of cancellation by 50% right and look, if, again, if we have a choice between a nonstop flight and a flight with a stop on our primary airline, obviously, rainer. we're going to recommend choosing the nonstop or the direct flight. But choosing a flight that is direct or nonstop, not on your primary airline, to save a few dollars or to avoid the connection is penny wise and pound foolish. Folks, listen to this. This is my, and I've learned all this stuff the hard way on my own. Almost never in 20 plus years on American, almost never have I had a direct flight. Bizarrely, I've had 10 times the business, no, 20 to 30 times the business in New York City than I've had in Dallas. Other than work I've had in San Antonio, which of course is just a drive for me, I've had five times more work in Seattle than I've had in Dallas, which of course, San Antonio Dallas would be a nonstop and it would be a direct flight, okay? But on the other hand, I I have never had... Even before my elite status, I've never had trouble that it was born out of a connecting flight, that had I chosen a nonstop flight, it would have made a difference. And look, for the vast majority of us, where we are, um, we don't have the choice all the time of getting a, a nonstop flight. And so what people do is mistakenly get the impression that, you know, I've got to have a bias toward nonstops. So it's so much of a benefit. It's not. You get the benefit on that flight, and you lose the benefit of building up a credibility and status on another program.
0: Right. And here and here's the point is that the benefits that accrue to you as a result of being in elite status is much greater than the benefits or the 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 pain avoidance you would have by picking a direct flight.
1: Yes. Yeah, because that direct flight robs you of the miles, assuming again, we're we're comparing a nonstop flight on your non-premier airline to a one-stop flight on your on your primary airline, you lose the chance to build up credibility, build up status. And that status will cost you, the lack of status will cost you when you need it most. Right.
0: And if you're listening to us and you're not a member of a frequent flyer program and you're adamantly disagreeing with us on this point, then you don't get a say because this is all predicated on the fact that you take our first advice, which is fly on a primary airline. And I guess we ought to state Again, the obvious here, because it's our, and it's our point too, which is you got to join the frequent flyer program after you pick an yeah. airline.
1: Yeah, uh, you look. I'm okay with somebody writing in uh, and saying uh, this seems pretty pretty simple, right? I mean, gosh, primary, you know, joining the frequent flyer program, it's it's assumed. Well, we're just trying to be as direct and as simple and as clear as we possibly can be. This is Career Tools. We know that some of our listeners, as I said earlier, are in college. They're at university. They're just starting their professional careers, folks. You have to join the programs. You can go online and do you do it. You can call and join, but it can take 30 minutes while you're on hold to get through. If you fly on any airline, there's a form in their in-flight magazine. If you wanted to fill that out and mail it in, you could. Obviously, the best way nowadays to go online and fill out the form. Look, keep track of your frequent flyer number. Let your agent, let your company, let whomever is booking your flight know what your number is. If you have an assistant, he or she should know your frequent flyer number by heart. Okay. check your ticket or your emailed itinerary or your receipt to make sure it's on there. If you're uncertain when you check in as you start flying and and it's your systems are not fully in place for handling the process of you flying. And that's what this is. This is a process of you conducting professional business travel. And so you need to have a system for it. And this is what we're going to lay out in a series of casts over the next few years. If you're uncertain, you ask the gate agent, is my frequent flyer number in the system or in associated or attached to my record? If not, give them your number. They are eager to put it in because the companies say, please take care of our freaking flyers. And look, we we said this earlier. Hopefully this is clear. We admit there's nothing wrong with belonging to every airline's program. Nothing. Every once in a while, you have to fly on some other airline. But it's frankly, I haven't flown on another airline other than American in five years, and it may be longer than that. And that's half a million miles which is an enormous amount of status. I know that coming up here, we have to go to a place in Canada that American doesn't serve, but I will do part of the, the trip on on American. So there's all kinds of benefits joining. It accrues to you directly and it benefits the company with you getting back on time, saving money, not having to pay change fees in many cases, getting home uh, on, on a Wednesday night so you can be in first thing Thursday and so on. But folks, you got to join to get the benefits.
0: Yeah. And then, again, to oversimplifying here and making this absolutely crystal clear, once you've joined the frequent flyer program, then you have to choose your primary airline every time you can.
1: Yeah, look, look, when we book flights, we have to make our preference known. If you make your own travel, whether it's online or with your own agent, it's easy. Sure, you can look at and hear about other airlines to make sure you're not paying 500 bucks more. But if you can get within $100 U.S., right, what is that? $60 euro, whatever, or, you know, 75 euro and 60, you know, British pounds. It's worth it to choose your primary carrier, provided you have that leeway with the firm who's paying for your travel. And look, if you have your own firm, I encourage you to do this as well. I hate to think that you save 50 bucks here and 50 bucks there. Those are Look, you know, I, I've had my own firm for years and years and years now, close to 20. And I have to say, uh, there are times when things are tight and you think, geez, I should save 150 bucks by going to the airline. But if something bad happens and you don't have status, you're going to have a crummy seat coming home and you may not get on a, uh, on, an airline, on an airplane and that's going to cost you a hotel, which the company may not have to reimburse you for, particularly if it's a weather delay. And there's all kinds of reasons. So, But if you can get within 100 US, it's worth it to choose your primary character. Our recommendation is that in most situations, if you're the only person who decides your travel, meaning you don't have restrictions to the point of narrowly restricted company guidance. Your primary airline is probably worth, get this now, folks, $300 to $500 USD premium per flight. Uh, Now, now, we're making a point there. We're not saying pay $500 more every single time and end up being $25,000 in the red at the end of the year if you have your own company. But if you can get away with it, that kind of difference, there is a benefit there that we cannot tell you how often having status on an airline has saved our tails. Now, what if somebody from the company makes a choice? I think that's what some people are probably thinking. Or if somebody from the company makes a choice or provides options, you know, again, what we have to do is make sure our preference is known. At big companies, it's probably an online form that allows you to list your freaking flyer numbers and your airline preference. At smaller companies, it may just be the president's secretary, right? But you have to let him or her know what your preferences are. I think it's something else related here. I know I may make the point about 300 to 500 USD as a premium that's – that's to give people some idea of if it's 50 bucks, you're making a mistake by choosing to go away from your primary airline. But yeah, we you difference- said
0: 300 to 500, but it's –
1: Most often it's not nearly that much in difference. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the big mistake that people make is like, I think people think I'm buying a commodity and so two bucks make a difference. But the whole point of status is you are no longer buying a commodity. You are buying a slice of service that you are going to redeem at some point in the future the difference between major carriers prices on most routes is very small but the per, but folks the person making your travel is probably incented to save those dollars because over hundreds of transactions that they do in a day or a week or a month they really do add up for your firm who's paying that travel provider and 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 because the, your firm is sharing some sort of cost structure that agent is going to be incented to keep costs down and they're going to, the systems, I don't know this, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it's some of the large travel service providers, travel agency provider companies for big firms in the U.S. and overseas. There is a system on the web that when the, when any given agent sees a range of flights from San Jose to Atlanta and back, It captures the airline that they choose, and it notes that there was a cheaper one, and that works against them. They are incented to find you the cheaper fare because at this point, they work for the company, and the company is trying to save money. And there's nothing wrong with a company being incented to save money. The problem with that is… The company is essentially saying air travel is a commodity, which is which is wrong when you think of someone who flies on a regular basis. Again, think about it as as putting a down payment on that sliver of service. You'll need it when you're in Des Moines and it's 10 o'clock on a Friday and you need to get home. You can get home if you have status in many cases. So the question is, what do we do? I got to tell you, I'm amazed by this. Before People don't do this. Before we call corporate travel, before we talk to our boss's admin, we do some simple online research. We check prices. Now, look, those prices that you're going to see at Expedia Orbits or the other ones, which I never look at anymore, they're likely different than the ones an external provider of travel services gets. And in fact, they may be more than than the aggregated price that a Procter & Gamble or a Walmart person might get because they've purchased miles in advance or they have a relationship with a given provider where they share costs or they share benefits or what have you. But the key thing is the relationships between different airlines are almost always quite similar. In other words... If you are seeing that on Orbitz and Expedia, there's a $20 difference between Northwest and Delta making this up, even though those prices are not the same as your agent will offer you, there'll probably be a difference of about $20 between the price that the agent sees for Northwest than they see for for Delta. That means whatever we find online is going to be a good guide to what the the, the agent is going to consider when we're booking the flight, okay? When we arrange our travel with the agent or with the travel provider or the person in HR or whomever, we let them know what we've discovered. We can consider not only prices, but departure and arrival times. For instance, hey, I need to do a round trip to San Diego. I can't leave any earlier than X 30 PM. I need to be out there by X PM. I know American has a flight that almost works for a little bit less, but I'd prefer the United flight that meets all that criteria. United is a little bit better airline for me and I have more status. I might get upgraded. And what's more, they'll protect me more, much more effectively than the American will just because my, my, I'm, I'm an elite status there.
0: Right. And the point here is that the person making the travel for you, if you say nothing else, their only consideration is cost. And of course, you have other considerations that frankly are just as reasonable and just as valuable and accrue uh, benefits to the, the company. But unless you say otherwise, cost is the only thing that travel agent is going to take into consideration.
1: Yeah. Look, their their criteria is totally reasonable. We want them incentive to save money, but so are our criteria reasonable. Okay. And if their if their choices are gonna have a significant impact on the final outcome and that's gonna affect us, we're gonna be the consumer of this service. And, and when I think of service and commodity, I think of two words at the opposite ends of, of, of a spectrum. Um, if we're going to be the ones consuming it, then we ought to be able to provide input, even if we're not given final say. Far too often when they make a choice and it doesn't include our input, the company benefits to the tune of perhaps 20 or 30 dollars or euros or whatever, but we're going to be left holding the bag during the entire itinerary. Folks, you may, we, we haven't said this before, but there are buckets of seats on airlines and every hour or two they change. They're called buckets, which are various fare classes available on any given individual piece of equipment on any given route at any given time of the day. And they're constantly switching based on loads and and, and, and demand and time of year and all kinds of factors. And those things are all known to them and you may get the worst Bucket. In the world and the agent may be thrilled and her boss might be thrilled that she saved 150 bucks and you are in seat 32F right next to the whining engine of an MD80 on American Airlines and you need to sleep and you can't and you get home and your spouse is waiting for you to take your turn with a, with a crying baby and you're irritable and you have a lousy night at home and you go to work and you give lousy service the next day at work. You come home and your spouse is upset. All for 150 bucks because we didn't give input. I I just think that's again, penny wise and pound foolish. Yeah. And and then what's worse is you don't spend the 150. And then because you don't have status and because you're in the wrong bucket and you can't get changed during the flight without that change, suddenly you're spending 150 bucks anyway on a hotel. Crazy. It's crazy. Right.
0: So, okay. So let's get to our career tools professional travel core principle.
1: Yeah, look, we we saved this background for our final point so that we would get through all the important stuff up front. I, mean, I know this cast went a little bit long, probably for some people. It was pretty simple up front, and yet there's a lot of rationale for it, and some people are new to this, and we wanted to make it clear to them, and probably some people who've been doing this for a while started out and didn't know what they were doing, and stumbled across this, and a little bit of refresher would help in terms of the why and the background. But we do have a core principle. And just like Manager Tools, Career Tools has solid principles underlying all of our recommendations. When it comes to professional travel, our core travel principle is effective, efficient, and pleasant. We believe at Career Tools that when we travel on business, our first responsibility is to accomplish whatever we are traveling to achieve. Secondly, we have an additional responsibility to do so in a cost-conscious, therefore efficient way. And folks, nobody else seems to be wanting to talk about this, but because we are away from our families, because travel is inherently difficult and tiring, I literally I landed in, in San Antonio a couple of hours ago. I got home got back to Fredericksburg at 935, uh, and we're recording this starting at 10 o'clock at night. Because we're away from our families, travel is inherently difficult and tiring, often made more so by an overfocus on efficiency. It's reasonable for us to make it as pleasant as possible and to encourage other people who make decisions that are going to affect us as pleasant as possible as well. These are the things that we start with any of our recommendations. We start with effective, we respect the issue of efficiency, and we believe that pleasantness is a reasonable criteria to add to the mix that we're going to use to make decisions. When it comes to air travel, which is what this cast is about, obviously, there are all kinds of ways that effective, efficient, and pleasant make sense for us and is helpful to us and to the company and to our clients as well, to our customers. Why create a relationship with one airline? Believe it or not, the people who work at that airline remember travelers. If you travel frequently, they'll remember you. I mean, when I think about it, John and Keith and Margaret with American and in, in San Antonio, they know me. And that translate into them being more willing to use their discretion when I need help. If I traveled on four different airlines, all of which are served quite uh, quite reasonably by by uh, in San Antonio, the relationship with them would be one fourth as strong, which probably wouldn't be enough. And our guidance here is when we travel on one airline, we remember how to make the system help us because I only have to remember the system that American has. We can remember the phone number to dial from somebody else's phone when our battery on our iPhone or our BlackBerry is dead. Uh, Folks, it's happened to me. Airlines store our preferences, so if we forget to communicate them, we have a chance to still get what we wanted. And when you put it all together, effective, efficient, and pleasant is a completely reasonable approach to the travel we're gonna do for many of us. If you're just starting a career, you can assume it's gonna be 30 to 40 years of professional business travel. And most people would say that business travel or any travel is, is not effective, efficient, and pleasant. We think it can be if you apply these simple criteria. And if you're a career tools professional, it will be.
0: Good. And our steps are pretty easy pick a primary airline, join the frequent flyer program of that airline. Choose your primary airline and therefore your frequent flyer program every time you can. And remember the Career Tools Professional Travel Corps principle effective, efficient, and pleasant. We understand the need for efficiency, but it can also be pleasant. Yep. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.